0: You're listening to Red
1: Nation Online. Hey, Eastside stand-up listener. As always, we appreciate you downloading the podcast and want to ask you a quick favor. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you checked out rednationonline.ca, added us on Twitter, at Red Nation Online. Give us the thumbs up on Facebook, as well as iTunes. Any or all of those would be awesome. Thanks so much, and enjoy another episode of Eastside Stand Up. Andy Crawled to Freedom through 500 yards of shit smelling foulness I can't even imagine. Saturday, July 26th. It's Steve Perry and I'm Ian Clark, and we're back soaked and shocked at not only a win, not only a win at BMO Field, but a win at home over the Columbus crew. Those who stayed now know how Andy Dufresne felt as the Reds owned the last 10 minutes for once in a 2-1 victory. Although relieved, perhaps stunned sets the tone for the pod as we go through the match and a truly determined finish for Toronto. We go over the players who stood out, Jeremy Brogey, Bobby Conby, Jonathan Osorio, all made their mark. But we finished like last week, though, and appreciate those who reached out as we are giving our full support to those who support TFC and question the club's handling of keeping someone outside of the gates who has and would be there through thick and thin. All in the next 40 minutes on East Side Stand Up. Felt like well, it felt like
0: for most of the game, just another day at Beale Field. Yeah, because it was like uh, I don't know. There's lots of uh, chances that we weren't finishing. There weren't really much chances. Like I mean, we weren't dangerous at all. In fact, Columbus looked much dangerous than we did for most of the game until they took out Aduro at the end of the game. Like in the last, I think he was subbed out at at the 84th minute, and then I think at the 86th minute we score. So uh, to an equalizer. Now he, he he was Aduro scored the. A beautiful goal, and he had many other chances uh, throughout the game. So I, I don't know. Like it was basically just watching us. Uh, well, it didn't seem like Columbus had much game either, other than just sort of Adoro. Yeah. Was, and then the center guy, Arietta. Ar- yeah, he was pretty good. he was pretty decent too. So he was giving us a lot of trouble. And you mentioned at one point that he's he was a lot smaller, and uh, Daniel Henry like towered over him in comparison. But yet. Just couldn't handle them. No, I had a lot of times, right? Yeah, Yeah. he did have problems, but I think it was just uh, it speaks to the skill of the the striker, right?
1: Yeah, and you know what, what Steve? I I think you started off right because for most of that game, it was I had it all lined up with how I wanted to start this and talk, and now it's a total curveball, and we're not used to this. And we won, we won two one back from Vimo Field.
0: It's crazy, really, when you think about it, because it's like it's been it's we haven't ever won we haven't won in season play at home this year. Or in over a year. Yeah. Um, Or against Columbus. And we've never won against Columbus.
1: At home. At home. Double whammy.
0: It's a couple of firsts. (laughs) Uh, And then we also started talking about the rain, because Adoro gets subbed out. The rain starts coming down. We score a goal in the rain, and then we score a second goal in In the rain. And then we started thinking back to when we start other games that we've won well, like when we beat Montreal in Montreal by five goals. Um, for the for the Voyager Cup. The, the it Chicago was, Fire the, game? It was pouring rain. Chicago Fire, uh, Vancouver, that game that uh, we started playing well, even though we were losing, that was a Voyager Cup game yeah. too. Uh, that, they, yeah. that got called because of the rain. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's the games in the rain. It seems like the elements uh, uh, make us play better.
1: Well, and so, I, I we know. had the observation, we're discussing how it's almost like when it comes down like that, like quality and technical ability are leveled out, and now it comes down to heart and desire. Yeah. And and, and who's w- gonna
0: march that ball towards the net, right?
1: Yeah. And who's willing to just grind it out. And, and- when you
0: and you when you see Wiedemann's goal, he's sliding, um, just trying to get a foot on the end of it to redirect it, right? So it doesn't <laughs> he's just trying to touch it. It doesn't matter. It's not about, you know, finessing the ball in. It's about just getting on the end of it, yeah, kind of thing, right? Yeah, and so. in
1: this kind of weather, it's the perfect weather actually to slide in, yeah, and make it happen, right? It
0: becomes very exciting, and the people who did stick around for it got to see a show <laughs> <laughs> because there wasn't many who stuck
1: around. No, no. In, in nicer weather, we haven't had anything like this for. for you know, over we, heard a year. Cha-
0: we heard a chant. It's a little water. You're not made of sugar, <laughs> 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 which I thought was brilliant. Yeah. And yeah, anyway, but there was, you know, uh, it. people did hold out for a little while and then they left. Yeah. And they and we got to see our, our, our new Spanish uh, player, right? Yeah, Ray. Alvaro Ray. Ray. Yeah. So we got to see him for a bit. Um, you know, we can't tell anything from that, but certainly he did do a step over while it was pouring. Yeah.
1: So it was like <laughs> impressive. Yeah. there's I mean, there's so many things. There's so much like symbolism we can pull from that last 10 minutes of the game, the the rain becomes torrential, and Osorio comes in and, and gets this beautifully, this ball is beautifully laid off by Brokey. Uh, and and cr- sort of corrects the criticism that we'd had from last week's where it's like he needs two or three touches to make something happen in the box. But then also tie in that in this kind of weather, you can't take two or three touches yeah. uh, because you don't know where the ball is going to go for starters. You just have to hit it.
0: It becomes urgent, yeah. And
1: then it's almost like we score that goal, and then the rain takes it to another level. I mean, it was, it was coming down hard. We almost, You almost couldn't see. No, I uh, couldn't see.
0: It was like a curtain, actually, of rain. And, um, I, yeah, I could only make out sort of vague images of color. And wherever there was lots of them chasing towards, I figured that's where the ball was. I couldn't make out <laughs> the ball either. It was difficult.
1: But it's like, it, was it was moments like that where it was like, you know, you're thinking, you're getting a little bit of hope up. And you're like, this is this is the time. This is when it's going to happen. It's going to be now or never, because again, like we said, you can you could see that the desire was there from certain players to pull it off, that they wanted it that bad. And
0: so often it doesn't come through. We don't. They don't come through, right? But tonight they did. I'm I'm kind of speechless.
1: (laughs) I am. Well, I I mean, again, that's the thing because we're so close to just being the same old crap, same old crap. But you you did make a good point where it's like it doesn't it doesn't erase. Sort of it doesn't restart our race where we're at.
0: We can't rely on it raining every game that we get <laughs> at home. Because it's not gonna happen. Right. It, you know, it's seldom. These games are I mean, we can recall them because they're so few and far between, right? So it's usually better weather or at least like, you know, decent weather enough. Like it wasn't like this was kind of a downpour and it was like um I don't know, a temporary downpour. It wasn't like it only happened at the last ten minutes and right. then it just cleared up again, right? Yeah. We, we just got a bit of rain and that's it. So you, we can't rely on that. That's not going to be a game strategy. You know, it's lucky, really.
1: Yeah. And then I think that's... I want to run... Let's run through this match and, like, get up to that point because there's some stuff in the early going, I think, that's worth sort of framing this whole result around. Because well, this is the Trillium Cup, right? It is. So the Trillium Cup. The lovely Trillium Cup.
0: This is just a cup that's happened between us and Columbus. And it's like our... You know, it's a regional sort of derby, right? Of sorts. Like, this is maybe our one of our closest competitors, them in Montreal. So yeah. we... They've arranged to make this thing after our provincial flower. It's sort of weighted in our favor, but I don't know. We've won it once before. I think last
1: year or 2011. I think and, is the only time we've won it.
0: But uh, we we've only won it once, and uh, we've never beat Columbus at home, like you said earlier. So, or we've never we've never
1: yeah beaten Columbus at home. That's right. I guess
0: yeah. We've tied we've tied them. Never beaten them. Yeah. Yeah, and then we've lost every other game. And they've beaten us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: You know they used to. I remember the crew used to come up here, and they used to
1: saying, "This is our house."
0: uh, Yeah, and they used to say, "You can't beat us." Yeah, (laughs) that was a chant, right? Which they were all correct, and they could have played even up until the 84th minute. That song could have been sung Mm -hmm. in the in the section right beside us, (laughs) and still been accurate.
1: Yep. But you know, coming into the game, you know, we obviously from last week's pod, it was all set up for where Toronto was sitting and the things that weren't happening. You
0: made the comment, it was the same lineup.
1: Yeah. We started
0: where we finished, kind of, last week, right? So, there was no changes. It was, it it was just like, we're set on repeat.
1: Yeah, and there was little room for change. I mean, the only guy that came in, obviously, was Ray, through the week. And when you have, Coverman's and Earnshaw down, uh, you know, I don't think Darryl Russell's been particularly good in his few outings he had a couple weeks ago. You know, you're going with Henry or, or Busamonde, you know, pick your poison. Uh, That's this is what you're left with who's come out here. Uh, But then you have, of course, Columbus coming to town, and they're a team who, since they beat us here, have really been they had a couple, like a win and a couple draws, but of late it's just been, uh, you know, they beat Montreal, if I'm not mistaken, they beat Portland, but the rest has all been losses.
0: Yeah. So it's sort of parallel.
1: Yeah. And they've been struggling. But the one thing that I pulled from them was even in losses and even on the road, they're still scoring goals. They're just not pulling it off. Even last week in New England, it was goals that did them in. They they probably were pretty hard done by. You
0: it. can tell they've got talent up front and in the midfield, right?
1: Well, that's so. it. I mean the three the three guys up top where they have Odoro up right. They had Arrieta up top, and then sort of Iguain,
0: yeah, he uh, was great Gonzalo's
1: too. brother, uh, kind of like pulling the strings and kind of laying off. It's dangerous. Yeah, you they, know they are
0: uh, they are sort of like a you know a Bermuda Triangle for us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and we saw. I mean, right off the top. I mean, let's, the the opening goal. I mean, it's worth discussing and worth kind of breaking down. Look, it was
0: a low and hard driving shot. Uh, Oduro was um, basically running the same play against uh, Morgan at the same time, right? He was uh, pulling wide enough uh, and he's got great acceleration and, and quick pace. And he just, they were feeding the ball to him perfectly. Um, Morgan couldn't go out there because he had to, he had to split the difference because he was basically if he pull, if he pulled out it would have left uh, room for a midfield uh, midfielder to run through right so it would have, they would have lost their shape on the back so he had to play, split the difference but he kept on getting burned at the same time because they kept running the same play he could, he that was our undoing and it could have been a lot worse I think I mean they we were lucky to only be one down when we were yeah. And they probably took thought it was uh, a good time to take out Odura with six minutes left in the game, right?
1: But the one thing I wanted to touch on though was you know, when he scored that goal. Like we were actually discussing the goal he scored, the game the, the previous game we they, went, they we had head-to-head. and we we're also making note of like, wow, this is the Morgan O'Duro battle is something that's we're gonna be watching through this. We're whole losing game. this one. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then he scored. It
0: was, it was right at the time we were talking about it. I, I mean, it was like it was weird because we were talking and we were talking about it uh, like we were talking about his uh, uh, pass play too. And, and anyway, uh, all of a sudden he just undu- he's, lives up to what we were talking about.
1: So, I mean, what are your thoughts though on I mean, Oduro parries the ball down to give him credit. I mean, he releases it almost right away and, and it's short side. I mean, is it, I'm thinking Bendix got to do better on that. And and there wasn't anyone at that point that had sort of come in from like they would have been. Coming I wasn't in he paying attention to
0: where Bendik was standing, and I so I don't know what it was. And you sometimes as a keeper you don't expect a shot from that far out. I mean, it, it's not like he was far, but there's still a player between you and him. So usually, um, a, like a striker won't shoot from there, or a winger they won't shoot, right? They but he did, and the thing is that he just got enough pace, and he and he knew that Morgan was closing him down. So he got it off when he had space. I think uh, that's the—I di- mean—that's the difference that we've talked about with Toronto not taking their chances, right? Toronto um, gets lots of openings from far out. They don't shoot, except for Eckersley, with the exception of Eckersley. And aside from that, that's why we don't get any chances. I feel I think we try and work it in too much. And we also talked about like how you know since Silva's been traded, we've been missing a linchpin, which was the difference I think was with, uh, with also with with Osario's goal where Brokey played. A linchpin kind of role. When Convy puts the ball through him, he sort of—it was a high ball. He got his leg up and then just tipped it to Osario, who happened to be running through. And so that the difference is that you know our um, the midfield was coming through. They were coming. They were starting to attack. I mean, it it sort of you need you re, it requires that you've got enough midfielders coming through, which we it's tough to ask a midfielder to do that much running in a game. Right. And at the end, like when it's raining, you kind of get rejuvenated. Like I don't know if you've ever played in the rain, but when I play in the rain, like even at, it doesn't matter how exhausted you are, you forget about it. You, you're not even thinking about it because you're just the rain is a shot. It's shocking to the system, and you're just like, Ugh! and you're kind of woken up and you're cooled off and like every you're kind of all refreshed. It's kind of like a shower, I guess you know. You kind of wake up. It wakes you up and you're you're not even thinking about it. it's, it's sensory overload almost. You forget about everything. You're just in autopilot, like running, like mad, just trying to get through whatever it is that you're trying to get through. Yeah. So it's like, and you know, you have to stay out there. You can't like, you can't go and shelter from the elements. You got to play the game. So you're just running. Mm -hmm. It's like you can kind of, in rain, you kind of do more than what you ever can do. I think in some ways. Right. It kind of releases everything. It's an It inhibits you of sorts. Mm -hmm. You become a better athlete, I think. Right. In some ways. Anyway.
1: The one thing I wanted to go through, I think that we should... Kind of tie into get into that point too was that there was two halftime substitutions that yeah, we saw that I think that thing I don't even difference. think I
0: don't even remember we uh, yeah well I was thinking we heard the Weidman announce Wiederman announcement right yeah because remember
1: you said you noticed that Braun looked like he got stepped on or he got he did at the foot. end of the first half he right. got
0: he, I think he got his heel clipped and he was uh, you saw him sort of going like stepping and jumping and kind of like going ah and you know and he continued to. Run, but you could tell he was—he wasn't running at full pace, right? He, he was hurt, and then the whistle blew, and Wiedemann gets subs, substituted in. So you yeah. think that must have been? So we don't know whether how bad Bronze hurt now, but we—but uh, we suspect that there was a—you know it was enough that he couldn't go into the half, right? Yeah. So we got to worry about that. Yeah. Even though Wiedemann scored the winning goal, he hasn't been getting the, the call for the f- starting eleven.
1: No, almost never. Suggest something. But we're right. down to well, we're also down to nobody.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right.
1: So I mean, when you look at obviously there, we are down to nobody. I mean, it's, it's weird, you
0: know. We, I mean, this clearing of the salary cap by the articles that we were reading this week in the Star mostly it makes there's a suggestion that we're probably not even going to sign a DP before August the transfer window. Yeah, it's in it. the next. The transfer weeks. window is August eighth, August 8th, 8th right? I think it is. yeah. So that'll be right before the next game. If we don't have somebody by then, and we've got uh, like the next two, home oh, game, two weeks, yeah, the next home game, not the, yeah, the next home game, yeah.
1: There's definitely a possibility that we might not sign a DPE because I think they, well, they, they had a couple guys lined up and they both Luecki rejected said, it.
0: said suggested that it's not going to be, it's probably not going to be this one. He's like, put the window open. That we're, it doesn't look good.
1: Right after I mean, he, and, after he put it out there, that's, I also want to suggest a sure thing almost.
0: I, I also want to suggest that anytime uh, a club is doing lots of press like this it's usually a distraction things aren't going well you when they're talking to the press they're trying to they're trying to distract you from the shit show that's happening right so obviously it's not going well uh, because you made the comment that Montreal signed somebody two people yeah and since right. all this shit's been going right. on right and it's an
1: interesting contrast yeah. right between and, and, and it, i think it makes but sense but i think it
0: also suggests they're they're busy they don't have time to talk to the press they're busy signing people
1: our people are not busy Signing people, they're busy talking to the press. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, simple. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, Montreal, no one was talking about a, a, a second DP for Montreal this past week. And then all of a sudden, I think it was on Tuesday or Wednesday, they say Bernardetto from, from Argentina. And, and then two days later, they signed another guy. They signed a center back. <laughs> and it's like everyone sort of thought like, oh, there's another. And they did suggest they were going to sign it. But after that, they might not be done. But they didn't come out and, and have this, gr- this whole grandeur in the newspapers saying, you know, we're going to be scary after this week and making these comments like, oh, no. this, is, this is a sure thing. Yeah. They just went and got their business done. But that's also, you know, that to me also says a difference between a team like obviously Montreal and Toronto where it's, you know, Toronto has to talk like this and, and make it sound like they're going to sign someone. And of course they fall through and you hear players going to other teams. And it's like, well, of course that might happen because it's Toronto FC. And you're only gonna—they're only gonna be able to attract a certain type of player, whereas Montreal might have a little more clout right now, where they're standing, the history of the team, the players that they currently have with Nesta and Deville, for example—you know—sitting around the top of the table. It's an attractive place to go.
0: Yeah, I also want to mention something else that we learned to, this week in the press, which is um, I think the scouting. Uh, system. We learned a bit more about the scouting system this week.
1: <laughs> oh, we have a new yeah. scout. We do. We have a new scout <laughs> in Philadelphia. He lives in Philadelphia. This was an uh, this was an interesting. This one. is crazy. Yeah,
0: I think. Oh, please set it up.
1: I and I feel bad because I forget. I'll, I'll say this because the story came through. It was through Look, a, it, Philo- it, a Philadelphia site via Waking the Red, and it was a breakdown of the full sort of like retirement of Danny Kalif. And it's Danny. It, Yeah, and it was a lot of stuff. A lot of a little bit of dirt in there that I don't think any of us would have been. Pr- Privy to in terms of how that deal kind of went down what they were trying to package out and and how this all ended up, which also sheds light into every time we hear Nick Dasovich is usurped from a assistant or a manager role, and all of a sudden he's a scout we we speculate, but now we know for certain what that is it's just you know we have to you're on the payroll, but you know you're still getting your health benefits we, you're just not around here anymore, yeah. Yeah. And that's essentially what happened to Califf, Was that he, he wanted Philadelphia or bust. And Toronto, Philadelphia was fine with the deal. And then all of a sudden Toronto tried to s- squeeze in Stephen Fry and Ashton Morgan. And Philadelphia turned around and said, why would we take, we don't need a goalie and we don't need a left back. Why are, would we take on their salaries? Like your salary issues are not our problem. Right. So fuck off. The deal falls through. The deal falls through. It doesn't happen. And Daily Califf says my only option left is to retire. And that's the end of it. And it's kind And then he
0: becomes a scout. Yes. They call him a scout. Yeah. And I'm thinking that's our scouting system. <laughs> a guy who got hard done by by Toronto FC, he's not going to go and fucking give us any names. <laughs> he's not going to go to any games. No. He's not going to tell us anything that's any good. He doesn't. He doesn't owe us anything at this point. He feels hard done by by us. He's not going to help us.
1: Well, no, and, and to, that's our scouting
0: system. And not Are to you mention, kidding me?
1: He came here under. Paul Mariner, and Earl Cochran. Yeah. So it's like... Different,
0: manage,
1: different few, management. Different management, right? Yeah, yeah. So he came in before Kevin Payne came on. Yeah. And the new set of head coaches. So he has no loyalty to them. Yeah. And he has no interest in, in sort of bolstering them up. So I'm sure everyone knows that when you see a guy and all of a sudden he's a scout, we'll put that in quotes, we know what it really means.
0: But I didn't know what that meant, and I and I you know I thought we actually had a scouting system, <laughs> but I guess it's a retirement system. It's a retirement plan. Yeah, and it obviously is like an ineffective one.
1: Well, I mean, It's crazy.
0: It, yeah, well, I mean, is that our scouting system? It's like well, I wonder. Well,
1: Ryan Nelson makes me wonder. Ryan Nelson did say at the start of the year, like he he kind of spilled it. We said, you know, this is what we this is what we stepped into. Listed a bunch of things and said there's no scouting network. It doesn't exist. And then all of a sudden we get you know, sending guys down to Argentina who, who watched Laba and Yerudi and whatnot. So it wasn't really, it really wasn't until this year that we were doing that. And it wasn't Mo Johnson going down to Brazil for a beach vacation. Right. Scouting in right, quotes right. again. Yeah. Air quotes. Yeah. Kicked it off into the smoke and mirrors at a good point, I think to kind of cover up a couple of points anyways. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I think we want to talk about, I think we've, we've wrapped up this game. We've gone over it. Um,
0: yeah. Well, there was only 10 minutes of a game for us, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Yeah. But it was, fuck, man, we'll take what we can get at this point.
0: It's exciting. I don't want to downplay it, but, you know, it took a long time. It took us like 86 minutes before we actually were in the game. Right. Well, that's not true because we were in the game the whole game, but it wasn't until, like, you know, the rain came down that it made it, we started making a difference, I think.
1: Well, that's what you said. Until, until it almost leveled the playing field, so yeah. to speak. And it, you, you made the note that it looked like Columbus almost shut off once the rain started coming down. It felt
0: like it. I mean, uh, either that was because of our heart, like we were talking about, where we were just like, we got everything to play for now. I think that's kind of like what it was. Like the Toronto players were like, fuck, we just got to, just, we got everything to play for now. Yeah. And I also think that they don't try too much to work it in at that point, like we were talking about. You just have to, it's just one of those grind out things. And mm-hmm. maybe that's like the, how we've always been described as a grind em out team.
1: Yeah. Well, because we're lacking a lot of quality. But
0: maybe that's what we need to figure out, what we are, like, as a team. What are we? What are we? But, like, it's... I mean, mostly it comes down to... The grind them out excuse is something that comes down to you just got stuck with a bunch of players. Like, it's whatever's left. Like, the shit show that's happened for whichever... It's always... You know, with all this turnover... Every coach tries to try and build, but they have to deal with all the past shit that's going on. And they can never, by the time they're trying to clean it up, which is what Jurgen Klinsman was talking about, where you have to give a coach at least three years to clean it up and then to like have a, an attempt at building, right? So that yeah. he can prove their worth we never actually ever tried that no that that thing that we paid a lot of money for that advice that we got from you know Germans Germany's striker that's now the coach for the states yep this consultant this high high this expensive consultant we've never actually put his advice into practice but you know regard it was you know it's something it's not an industry standard either like when i was talking to rick he's like it's you know, the industry now requires, like, football, professional football requires results within, like, a game. It's, like, here today, gone tomorrow. Yeah. If you don't, if you, once you lose a game, you're pretty much on a chopping block. Yeah. Which well, is, like, that's insane for somebody to live up to.
1: Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that, or actually last night, uh, I was out with Julian, and we were kind of, you know, expanding on the discussion we had last week, that sort of last 10 or 15 minutes where we were really kind of breaking down the team. And there were sort of two things that I think are worth discussing and keeping in mind. Even when we, even if we won this game, the one thing that I wanted to say was that, you know, wherever the results are, I think we need to still keep in mind that, at least in my opinion, you know, Toronto C two thousand thirteen is below an expansion team. We are worse off than an expansion side, yeah. and, and and keeping that in perspective with our expectations of the year, which it sucks, but I think it does need to be kept in mind that. You know, an expansion team comes in, at least they have a blank slate. You know, Toronto starts 2013 with a horrible reputation, you know, over, you know, pushing 150 players around the league, m- many of which are disgruntled, telling their, fo- their, t- their current teammates, this is a place you probably don't want to play if you want to settle down. Yeah, and then, well, De Guzman and
0: uh, all those people who are, De Rosario, yeah, Nana it, Akura, like all these people who have either, who've gotten traded, who are good enough to trade away, are telling the story of Toronto FC, Negatively, yeah, because it is. There's, it's not a good story, right? So, Any players that we've traded could that were worth their value, we've traded away now, and we're stuck with what we've got. Like th- these are the players that can't get traded away. That's kind of what we're with now, right? That I mean, that's the realization. Or if we get of rid
1: of them, of them now, we're in like
0: well, but yeah. we can get rid of them. I don't even think we. The, these are the players that like. If you're talking about Ashton Morgan, it sinks the deal, right? People don't want. Him. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm not saying he's a terrible player, right? Because I think he's decent, but uh, you know I'm thinking like the every other team's got a better left back.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs>
0: so well, these are the know, players that we can't these are players we're this is what we're left with. Yeah. But was, this is this is common for all the Toronto teams, isn't it? Uh, except for the Blue Jays, but yeah. all the Toronto teams that are owned by this organization. Yeah. If you look at it, but it's
1: it's slow. I mean, the Leafs still have, even though it's like they're terrible. I think they still have a. They are still a little bit to pull the prestige of.
0: And Cathal Kelly's article, up. he talks about how you have to build from your draft pick up, right? Yes. And we trade away our draft picks. Yeah, and we, we do this year. Werner did that last year, right? He did. He fucking sunk the show for us. Yeah. So we don't ha- I mean, we're still going to be in the bottom. So now we're going to get a, a better draft pick. No,
1: we it? traded it to Vancouver for Hasley this year coming it's, up. It's for this year.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll probably end up in la- last place next year, too. So maybe we'll get it back. I mean, maybe that's their logic, right? Because the- These are easy to get rid of because, you know, we're always going to be in the basement. Right. So we'll always earn this, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's the whole point. You build from the draft pick up, right? Because as the evidence suggests that's where you're, that's the teams that win are the teams that come from draft picks and you build around the draft
1: picks. Well, like, NCAA players, like, those are... We trade ours away. Yeah, those are the guts Sam of this team,
0: wasn't he one of those guys?
1: yeah. But it's just like every, you need, you know, it's an American league. You, yeah. need those, you need those guys when it's like, you know, 70%, 50% of the players in this league are coming out of the NCAA. If you're going to try to work your way around that, it's just not going to happen. And the referees are so bad that you're, still, you're always going to be at a disadvantage in these situations. Hmm. So, you, you know, instead of trying to break free, you need to find a way to, to play with it and, and find the advantages. Because there's two things that I wanted to circle back to. Yeah, sorry. On the conversation I was having with, uh, with Julian this past week, because I wanted to talk about the DP signings and how 10, 15 years ago this team existed. They might have been able to get away flying into Diego Forlan, putting him in a limo, showing him the city of Toronto, taking him to the stadium, showing him video clips, you know, going to Downsview, showing off this beautiful training facility. But now, in 2013, all these guys need to do is go on the internet for five minutes and, and look up Toronto FC, yeah, and, and it's all there.
0: Yeah, It's
1: all there. All they need is go to one of Cathal Kelly's articles and, and to see sort of what is going on in this city. And I think that's the challenge that this team is up against when they're trying to bring in this <laughs> big name, that we're, we're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place where I think we're going to end up hanging out of the, out of the nose regardless of the players. I think all the players can just look at us on the table and say, this is a last place team. They're desperate.
0: You know what's funny about the Downsview Stadium thing? Is that 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 pitch is built around the DCIM, that former DCIM, which is a biochemical warfare facility that we used to have. (laughs) (laughs) It seems bullshit. Have you ever been to Downsview?
1: Like once or twice?
0: I used to live in Downsview. Okay. It's a fucking horrible place. It's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Well, I went to York. It's so awful. I went to York. Yeah, you had to pass through it. Yeah. But you were just sort of on your way in and out again. Right? Yeah. It was like drive through you. Yeah, you were, exactly. You weren't spending time there.
1: No, not at all. No. No.
0: Downsview Stadium.
1: Yeah. But okay. And, and the, tra- <laughs> Downsview
0: the, the Downsview training facility. Yeah. And just, you know what? That shouldn't be a star.
1: No, I guess by not. By the way, being up at Downsview? <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> I just, it's awful. Sorry.
0: I just wanted to say that that it's funny that you mentioned it as a selling piece, but that's I guess what we have, right? Yeah. Uh, anyone who would ever spend any more time in Downsview? I mean, because we there's lots of people who live there. I mean, I've lived there for many years. Anyway, no different.
1: Right. <laughs> the other point. Sorry. The last one. It's okay. I'm full of, I'm full of distractions. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> just like Tim Laiwiki. Yes.
0: <laughs> that's right. I learned from the the best.
1: I wanted to kind of tie in the whole thing because I started off talking about sort of where the team was sitting in terms of uh, being worse, so to speak, as an expansion team. You know, looking at the state of how hard it is probably going to need to bring in DPs. But then the other thing I think looking forward that we need to recognize is also highlighting what are the constants from the last six years and what are the things that are being done differently. And I think at this point in the season, even I, I think, am guilty of you know, there's that nagging feeling in the back of my head when I'm watching this team, saying, "You know, this wasn't the right choice. We should have got a coach with more experience. Like this wasn't the right choice. We shouldn't have gotten rid of these players." But also thinking, we say this every year, we do this every year. Yeah, something needs to change. Something needs to happen. We always lose
0: all these great players that are f- filling the team, that are making this team work. Right, but at this at this transfer window.
1: To add on to that, though, is like we have to give it a chance we can't keep pulling thing giving on the short turnaround okay we got rid of od and silva we can't expect that player this week it might not happen till later and steve even you said if we don't get a dp on this window you said we need to try to get a dp at the end of the year for the start of the next season so we would almost that you know it's almost as, as a backhanded retort that's to that what,
0: that's what Luicki's saying though. but i think it's because of the difficult i mean I, I think it's the difficulty that you're you're suggesting already in the first point, which is that it's easier to find that Toronto's not a place that DP wants to come. I mean, you're not going to ruin your. Do you want to ruin your career here? We've ruined. Many, I mean, we can count. There's lots of people. We we everyone who's come through here. We've ruined their career. Mm-hmm. Everyone and there's people who go on, leave Toronto and play well. Um, there's other people who just oh, don't gosh. play again. Right. It's, it's been a, done. People it's done a bit that. of a dinosaur graveyard. Like I'm thinking, Jeff Cunningham when he left, he Kansas, went on to be great. He was a great player. Well, he was a great. Lead, he yeah, was goal. good
1: before, and he was still good after when he went over to Dallas. But He didn't prices. play great for us. No, he was terrible.
0: And uh, and like, I mean, he's just one of many examples, right? You know, Carl Robinson scores beautifully against us. <laughs> <for> <laughs> he did. Our
1: Red Bulls. He did. He did. Um, you you know, know, what was it? I actually discovered this this week was an interesting Steve Caldwell. His sort of big, big break or big rise was he went and played for Sunderland when oh, they wow. had the season where they, they got up to the premiership. Carl Robinson and Andy Welsh were on that team. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting, eh? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the connection. And then all of a sudden, you know, Steve Caldwell's here.
0: Yeah, and he looked great today, by
1: the way. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what I want to ask you about the man of the match? Okay. It was logical, I thought. But after watching those replays, I would have—I think I would have given Brokey the man of the match.
0: Yeah. And, and he
1: worked, we, we noted it, man, he was working hard all through the game, yeah. and you made that pretty acute observation that he's doing the work that the midfield should be doing yeah. in terms of being the link-up man and, yeah. and creating, creating the chance.
0: But I think uh, everything's in disarray at this point and I think that's you're seeing people playing out of positions. I mean you're seeing Reggie Lamb playing defense today, right? Yeah. Like it's like
1: <laughs> Right, yeah. Well that it, we're stripped down to almost nothing. I, I know, I know. And Ashton Morgan was the first one off. And you know, the other thing I wanted to mention, I wanted to talk about Ashton Morgan for two seconds as well. Because I, I wanted to say the point I talked to you in the stadium here, where I think when I saw that he was almost traded, first that bummed me out because yeah. I think it's short sighted. Uh, you know, he's twenty one right. I think he's twenty two right now, coming up twenty three. Which would be the point in his career had he not come through the academy, where he would probably be entering the NCAA draft, where we would be expecting him to ha- still have some room for development and growth. And it's like we've given up on him already when we've seen some flashes. I just, I just can't, I just have a tough time believing at this point of his career. We might
0: be destroying his career like we did Nana and Akora. Yeah, or other players, right? Yeah. So, and for a team, I mean, the whole purpose of Toronto FC is to, for Canadians anyway, is to develop Canadian talent. And it seems like it works counter at Toronto. I don't know how many other, I mean, I don't know what the makeup is of Canadian players. I mean, we don't have loads of them in Toronto. We used to have more, I feel. Although maybe I'm wrong about that. It might be be even.
1: They changed the quotas from, from the first year through.
0: But it feels like, you know, with Vancouver and Montreal, maybe they don't have as many either. Um but the ones that we do we just wreck them. They don't seem to they don't it just seems like it yeah. it's working working counter to the, what the point of of Canadian teams being in this league is for. Right. I mean, should I be so bold to su- suggest that we go back to a Canadian league, but that didn't work well either when it was around. So right. I don't know if it it has it has enough legs to stand on, right?
1: Well, I think I think the answer for that, though Steve is, when you look at a team like Vancouver or Montreal, in Toronto. I mean, one team has had a never-ending, revolving door of coaches. And, in, and inevitably, what happens in that case is, I mean, they're going to reassess the full roster and purge the guys that they don't particularly care for see as a vision of their club. But when you have a team like Montreal, even though they've changed their coach, the, the team does have an overriding vision. Same thing with Vancouver, with Leonard Duzzi there, and Martin rennie has been there a few years, where it's like, there is time for players to come through. So when they do... It's through quality. You know, you have Russell Tybert in Vancouver, and he's risen to the challenge that Rennie's put out for him to play better and to earn his spot. Same thing with Montreal, where Patrice Bernier came over, and he had to win that spot and earn himself the starting position. And they have some guys that are trying to come through, and we met in Tissot, that look like they're on the bubble, that they could earn a spot. If Chalibon stays there, then they're going to earn their spot and stay in the starting lineup. But when you have a new coach continuously coming through, and in, in Toronto where you have Vinter starting 2012 and Mariner finishing it, I mean, everything just gets thrown for a loop.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: The last thing I wanted to finish off, though, was on... We had a few. We had quite a few emails and, we did. and, and direct messages and whatnot from last week's podcast with regards to... The banner. Know, the banner and kind and of just talking about Matt. the team and whatnot. And I think I wanted to bring it up one more time. And I want to keep bringing it up as often as possible because, uh, like we said last time, it does kind of like strike a point with us. I think from what we went through in Section 105 and how the supporters were treated there when we were going through that. Because
0: 105 is sits next 104. Sorry, where they sell the um, away tickets to, and we're not classified as a supporter as a supporter section. So when you started cheering, you got uh, told to shut up and sit down. Right. Essentially. Right. Right. I mean, none. Yeah, anyway.
1: So, in 2009, that's what happened. And and I felt like when it that It feels
0: like it feels like that, that there's a continuing uh, there's a continuation of this and that this is we got more information from Mark who, who wrote in. Yeah. Actually giving us more sort of down details which I don't know, would you want to read
1: it? Well, I think I think it's worth knowing that the way that it kind of it broke down was that
0: it happened at the Montreal game, the last Montreal game there was a small march one fan was ticketed and banned he was accused of having a flare um which we talked to we talked off air about this we said you know does it matter if he has a flare <laughs>
1: well they let off flares in the stadium yeah
0: the mlse uh, shoots off firecrackers what's right. the difference they used to have flares too behind the i remember when they used to light off flares and they would burn out right yeah so they were encouraging almost that in some ways. So I don't, does it doesn't matter that he has a flare. I don't even think it matters whether it's alleged or not. It's sort of just exciting. He's not throwing it. It's not being used as a weapon. It's just being used as excitement, right? It's just exciting.
1: The, the thing that it, that it doesn't add up to me is that I think the, the CNA security is citing that Ed Ed Wiersma is saying that this was a this incident was inciting violence to the. The Montreal impact supporters by doing whatever they were doing it wasn't but... even
0: in the stadium no so it's just and they weren't they weren't really doing anything they just stopped they just stopped their march and it's kind of weird right so uh, I, I
1: don't understand how lighting off a flare incites violence no I don't if, you're not, if, you, if you're not if you don't throw it at someone if you're just lighting it off
0: like in Turkey when you see the flares go off like it's a bit crazy right and yeah same in Italy where like you know it hits goalkeepers and they their jerseys light on fire and stuff. That's you know it's a bit crazy, right? That's that's different. That's you know being used as a weapon. That's what I'm suggesting, right? right? I don't think the flare was being. But,
1: but the most important thing too is that there's no evidence he did it, and in fact there is evidence of him holding a banner. Yeah. So yeah. it's everything about this is inconsistent, and I think the one thing that's most disappointing. Well, it sounds
0: like it's a trumped up charge, right? Right. Yes,
1: and it's and it's he, the one thing that's most disappointing about this is that you know we have a president in Kevin Payne who came here with a reputation of being sort of like the supporters president of what was built in DC and the relationship he built with their supporters and we have an instant here where you know this i would say Toronto's support is at its all time low and there's a there's an opportunity here to kind of say yeah you know what embrace them and any in, like, in the paper talking about how we got to give the the fans deserve this yeah. the fans deserve this as if to like make amends when well, this is another opportunity to make amends for the shit we've gone through. And stand up for one of your fans who is here thick and thin, rain or shine. Nothing's happening. The, the, but
0: the, in fact, actually, they, they work in the adverse. You know, they they kick this, They ban this guy for life. For the year. For the year. They ban this guy. It's kind of crazy. Punish, they're punishing him. It makes su- no sense. They're punishing him for supporting the team. That's what they're doing. Yeah. That's, to me, what's, I don't know, just and crazy. That's, and that's what I'm talking about,
1: the connection like yeah. that, that I feel is that we had all these, we had these amazing people in our section that were all like expats, and they were super passionate, and they weren't there drunk; they were just there standing and singing, and they would have been there rain or shine, any day of the week, and they all got thrown out, and it just it doesn't make sense because, like I was saying, it was it's like killed the spirit of it. And this like, this team you know, out, Tim
0: has even, hasn't even come to a game
1: this Yeah, year. this team at one point was like people came out all the time and they've stripped it down to a core of fans who only come here on a sunny day on the Saturday afternoon. And because, that's they, because, that's,
0: because when it rained today, yeah. that stadium emptied. Exactly. <laughs> and so. it's just
1: like this, is that what you want? You don't want people that are going to be there all the time cheering this team on. You'd rather have that. It's just the message is just so ass backwards. Yeah. And it's disappointing, and, and this is just an instance of that that I just, you know, it bums me out. When you hear things like this, That just, it's just not right.
0: Yeah. So we want, I want to thank Mark Mark for writing in and giving us all the details on this because, yeah, we we only knew we didn't really even know half the story, right? Now. No,
1: especially in terms of the stuff with how it's sort of like.
0: And he sent us a clip which we should maybe post. Yeah, or something we should. Well, I think it just shows up. like
1: the way the marches go. Yeah. And how it's just like they're not. There's nothing. There's nothing to, and they've been doing. There's no stand on. They, they do it every year. Yeah. So it's just like, why this year did they decide to to try to ban everyone?
0: Yeah, it was harmless. It's absurd. It is. And and you know
1: what? And the team should be embarrassed. Yeah. You know, there's the email was clearly sent to three people that are sort of high up in the club and there's been no real response to it.
0: Yeah. That was coming up with an excuse not to meet. Yeah.
1: It's shameful. Yeah. Especially when there's all this talk in the media about how things are supposed to be turning around. They're not. It's the same. Yeah. And that's what Julian was saying. It's the same. It's (laughs) the same thing every year. New faces. Yeah. And that there's my constant. There's another constant that I yeah. forgot to talk about. The crackdown
0: on the fans. Yeah. yeah.
1: And the same new new, a new person every year saying something's going to be different. But. And, not,
0: and not getting it.
1: Okay, so. It just he, seems like
0: we got a bunch of people who come in and don't know anything about the city and run this team. like they And they, you know, pay us lip service to try and make it like they um, are doing this in our best interest. But they aren't. No. <laughs> That's all I can say.
1: Yeah. Well, they don't know anyway, what we've been through.
0: We appreciate what you have to say.
1: Yes. So keep firing them over. Hit us up on Twitter. I mean, there's
0: a lot of people. There's a, uh, another guy named Alex who wrote us in saying that he'd put up a bunch of, he was he worked on a bunch of these displays yeah. for the the stadium, and essentially, the, these guys don't give a shit. I mean, he was backing it up, and it's a guy who's on the inside, from the inside. So, I mean, there's a lot of people, I guess this is resonating, but not just that, you know, we feel it, right? Anyway, we appreciate people reconfirming this stuff. Yeah so thank you it's valuable
1: yeah and as always I mean anything any point on the podcast and it, we also had one yesterday where the guy was explaining Tobias was saying oh yeah you know when we are talking about the weather in New York So said of course New York had problems dealing with a midday game oh, because they don't important. play midday games in New York they're smart enough to schedule them at night during the middle of the summer right in right. Toronto I mean today was a bit different but tr- today could have been worse than last week yeah uh, given that it's the end of July and we scheduled this game at 2 in the afternoon yeah we're setting, we're setting our team up to struggle. And then you have a team like New York. Of course, they're not used to playing in this kind of weather because they're not dumb enough to play like that.
0: Yeah, they play at night.
1: Yeah. And it's cooler. So on that note, uh, as Steve said, you can get us at Red Nation Online at R N O. Have your say at rednationonline.ca. Anyway, reach out. If you disagree with anything, hey, man, we got thick skin. Just lay it out there and uh, we'll take it, take it on the chin. And we appreciate the discussion. We appreciate the debate. Uh, This isn't about us talking back and forth. We want you to be involved. So at that note, uh, I guess we'll see you. I'll probably be back for the next away game. New England is the next one, if I'm not mistaken. And then we got Seattle coming up. Hopefully we'll have a DB by then, Steve. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) So we got Steve Perry sitting in on the north side. I suppose. And Sparky? I'm on the south side (laughs) with the the hardcore supporters. (laughs) Okay. All right, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Eastside Stand Up is the only Toronto Sea specific podcast breaking down the game right after it happens. We want you to be involved. Reach out to us on Twitter through hashtag ESSU or at Red Nation Online. You can email us at have your say at Red Nation Online or info at Red Nation Online. Get into the discussion on Toronto FC through Eastside Stand Up and Red Nation Online.